Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at Dub.com. We are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. And I have with me Sherry. And Sherry and I are going to get into this topic of helping people getting wealthy, getting paid what we're deserved, yeah. uh, and so many other topics. So we just kind of got into some some exploration. But uh, Sherry, share with me kind of what you're feeling right now. You know, it seems like we're in a paradigm shift. I think that I'm incredibly sorry for the circumstances, but it is an incredible opportunity right now. So I'm really, really excited. And what I mean by that is we've been waiting a really long time for us to evolve better. Um, both in terms of like how we live, how we treat people, how we make our money, how we consume, mm. all that stuff. Um, and so I know it feels bumpy and awful and, you know, scary. But at the same time, it's the most exciting shakeup we've had in a long time. And it's going to give us the opportunity to get to an amazing place. You know, I, I agree with you. I think that circumstances are what they are. And it's unfortunate in so many ways. But it's a time where I feel like people need the most empathy, the most yeah. compassion, the most help, you know, this, this idea of, of, uh, you know, businesses addressing pain points, addressing struggle, and then providing a value, uh, a proposition, some sort of a, a cure, a vitamin, a pill to help people. You know, I think that that's, that's just so relevant right now, you know? Yeah. And so many people are suffering from i'm like a huge uh compassion is probably the number one thing people know me of if they just Mm. if you see my name in the world and people that know me from social media and the work i do and whatever empathy would be the number one thing that comes up in compassion and it comes from a place that i have an incredible horrid background of a lot of abuse and poverty and tough times and whatever so you'd think i would be an ass um but actually it's because i've experienced those things that i don't ever want to treat someone like that that i don't want people to experience that that I understand the people who do that to people and why they do it and whatever. And I came out the other side as a massive compassionist person. And mm-hmm. that is possible for anybody, no matter how wronged you've been or angry or whatever. And I think that's amazing that a lot of people don't know how to do that work or that that's possible. So that's cool too. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, I think ultimately right now, I also think that we have an opportunity to, 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 help people to be compassionate and also Absolutely. to benefit ourselves, you know, yeah. um, and, and to grow. Like right now, I, I really, I really feel like this is a fourth revolution mm-hmm. that's, that's mm-hmm. happening right now. And yeah. we're in the midst of it. And a lot of people, it's, it's difficult to see it when you're in it because you have to have that bird's eye view. Um, but this, this is in fact, in my opinion, to your point, a phenomenal, a phenomenal time to help people. And I think to yes. frankly get rich in the process. So um, what have been your, your biggest takeaways right now uh, in terms of providing value and then benefiting? Yeah, I think that's a phenomenal question. So my original background is as a teacher. And so teachers get paid nothing to do amazing miracles every day. Right. Yes. And so yes. I come from the world of you don't make money and you shouldn't make money and whatever. And particularly in my, you know, abusive marriage, the control, one piece of it was that um, I couldn't make money because I couldn't leave. So I was very conditioned for 20 some years of it's bad to make money. You can't make money. Right. And so I had to learn to battle out of that. Mm. I am at a place where we absolutely have a right and an ability to earn what we deserve 
And a lot of my greatest growth came from the fact that I don't accept not earning or having what I deserve, um, which which takes an amazing point for somebody to move along that path. Um, however, I know I create amazing value for people. And a lot of it was really getting through that beautiful personal development work of, um, I do deserve the value that I give. I actually had an attorney the other day who was like, Sherry, gosh, for what you're doing for coaching for me, like I'm willing to pay you 500 bucks an hour. Well, not a lot of people get paid that, right? I'm also a real estate broker, so I do very well and I, I work in a nice price point. Um, and it doesn't have to do with because I was interested in that. All of it's because I provide an amazing value and I care about helping people. And I finally got in line with what I deserve and what I owe. And I've got amazing blocks and boundaries over everything that doesn't work. And that was a lot of my key. You know, like I'm not working for free. I do a lot of causes and things, but in the general public, I'm not just working for free. I, I have done that my whole life. Um, I am going to be paid what I deserve and I deserve to be um, in a category where I can teach and show that particularly as a woman. So a lot of it is you are serving as a model, not even talking about it for other people who are watching for every single person who couldn't make their way. Cause I've been there. They can see somebody where I get it. And I'm no longer doing that. I've, I've worked and earned my way here. And it's also, I'm completely open to thrive where before it was always learn to survive, right? We don't have to be just surviving, particularly in this country of, we all can be at a thriving place. And just because I win doesn't mean you lost. Because when we learn to business collaborate or collaborate with people, that's the new currency we're going to be working in. Everybody wins. Everybody gets a piece of the pie. I love your talent. I couldn't do this without you. And when yeah. we move to that mindset, that's where we all start doing better. Well, what, what, what I'm learning here is that you and your life had, a, had an unlock and you kind of realize, you know, that you had a something, an, an entity, mm -hmm. you had issues, you had yeah. external factors, yeah. maybe internal factors. Both. And you unlocked from that and you kind of broke that ceiling. Yeah. And to get where you are, I mean, what did it take? What did it take well, to actually blast through that? It was not easy. So a lot of it is, you know, parts of it, both societal and at home was the conditioning of the mindset that's being told to you. So you have mm -hmm. to, first of all, learn that's wrong. You know, you have to backwards it about, yeah, that's not correct. Um, and so a lot of it for me, I do an awful lot of personal development work and I'm willing to do it because it makes a huge difference. So I, since I'm 17, have been committed to personal growth. And so a lot of it is um, taking classes, going on YouTube, listening to podcasts, li reading books. I read a ton. A lot of where I've grown in the last four years has been getting around and being with people that are ahead of me. So I have in the last four years spent more time with CEOs than I ever have in my lifetime. Well, they teach you a lot and they know stuff I don't know. And they help me um, open up and see myself in a different way, you know, where you don't have to be a helper. You can also be an incredible earner, you know, and those pieces have helped me grow an awful lot. It's not easy. Um, and it doesn't mean it's a success only journey. Right. So, I mean, I've had huge gains and of course we're all in a challenging time right now where things are, you know, switching out a little bit, but a lot of it has been being willing to battle through learning all those pieces. And a lot of mine is put the horse blinders on. So you're not going to judge it while you're doing it. Just every day I'm working on what's the win, you know, where normally you're going, oh, the sky's falling down right now. I see that so that I can't do anything today. Nope. 
it's you got to do this for a while and buckle in and do what can I what can I do? And I need to not judge the results immediately. That's a big thing people need to learn right now. We want to judge our results on did I did I get a deal today? Okay, if not, I lost. No, right now we're working on you got to just do the piece regardless. I post on social every single day regardless. And I do that because the impact out to the world matters to me. And there's a lot of people hoping to have me help them raise the sun every morning. I know that from helping people uh, prevent suicides and other things. So I have a commitment that I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it every day. I may see the gain right now and I may see the gain two years down the road. Right now, I'm seeing a lot of gains from two years ago, the work I did, you know, and people who have watched and followed and now realize I've got the experience and the wisdom that I do. Well, it sounds it sounds like the opposite of this would be wrong mindset, wrong goals, wrong results. Yeah. You know, yeah. our mindset being believing certain things that we shouldn't believe, be, believe uh, being confined, being, uh, you know, contained, being having negative influence, being yeah. oppressed. Yeah. You know, the wrong goals are spending our time on the wrong things. Yeah. You know, and then. Yeah everything from there on out is, is, is the results, or I should say the lack of results, right? Absolutely. Yep. Very correct. And, and uh, change over a lifetime, right? So, I mean, what they might've been two years ago for people might be different today. Right now we've got an amazing opportunity to redecide what you want, redecide what you're going after, redecide how you can best or fast get there. If that's your goal, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of goals, how, you said to keep your eye on the prize. You said to focus on the win. Yeah. You know, how, what is that win? What, how high is too high for that win? Where do we land in this? How do we make it attainable? Yeah. So I think it's the answer is that it's different for everybody. You know, that is personal, which it, that's, that has to be respected because um, there's a lot of amazing people that I have learned from, and yet I don't, I am not willing to do what they did to do their thing. Do you know what I mean? So there's amazing people who they are killing it every single day and they don't have a great relationship. I'm not willing to do that. That price is too high for me. And so each person's going to decide the cost of you getting what you are wanting to do. It's not just a financial cost. And so everybody's going to decide for themselves you know, how big is a win or what is the piece? Um, and that's the that's the hard part we don't have a set answer for, you know, of like, mine is also stage wise. So my three children are in college now. I got all the time in the world to spend on it. People who have children at home, the goal and the cost of that is going to be maybe different for them, you know. Um, and, and I'm in a spot now where I have more of the flexibility uh, to do the piece. I care. I do care about the finances. I do care about having a great life and all that. But for me, what I care more about is people, opportunities, and experiences. So I'm going to, for the big win, always look at, and I'm definitely in a category now of those are my three things the rest of time, people, opportunities, and experiences, you know, mm. for my win. So my win, I think, is is having it all. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, I, you can. You can. I, I I've I am in this mindset where where we can attain it all. Now that doesn't mean that I have achieved this. Yeah, but me either. I've all, me either right? We're working <laughs> at it. It's all good. Right, and and when I say have it all, I mean specifically starting with you know health, starting with happiness, you know family relationships, uh, you know kids getting educated, kids getting grown up, you know having fun, having that work life balance, even Absolutely. if even work life balance is even a thing anymore. 
you know it's called fluid and flow so <laughs> fluid and flow fluid yeah and flow and i have fluid and flow every day on and off so it's good yeah exactly that that yeah. dynamic and then of course having career growth and having yeah. you know success in business whatever that might be to each and every one of us you know the thing that the, the thing that i continue to find inspiration in is trying to help as many people as i possibly can absolutely and that, to try to right and and yeah. i love what you said earlier Definitely. that you know through uh, negative, you were able to find, you know, compassion, empathy, and then purpose, really. Um, uh, and then I think the second piece is figuring out ways to to clone ourselves so that if we if we have found something, yeah, and if we have found some ability or some piece of information or even technology, I mean, r running Dub is Dub is a technology platform that allows yeah. people to communicate. The idea here is is I think scale and finding things that work and just allowing people to use them in so many different ways and to share them in a lot of different ways. And, and, and I, and I love, I've seen your content on LinkedIn. I think it's a yeah. great example. I'm inspired by, by the fact that you're posting every day on LinkedIn. That's awesome. That's the way it should be. It's only 1% of the people that are on LinkedIn. That do that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so, and I don't do it for that. I do it because I know the individual people who are waiting for me and they'll send me a message if I, I'm late or something, which is funny. And so it's just about sharing the love. Like I'm big about that. So yeah, exactly. So, uh, well, that's how we connected. So yes, that's awesome. <laughs> and I appreciate that so much. It means a lot coming from you too. So I <laughs> yeah. And, uh, question for you is what have you seen? What are some of the changes that you've seen in real estate? You know, we, it's interesting in real estate. Um, we were concerned right when this started that I lived through the great recession as a realtor and I, and it, I still have scars on my behind about it. And, and so you're talking about 2008, 2008. Yep. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and so there's a lot of realtors that were all of a sudden we're like, Oh my gosh, we're not going to be okay. Real estate is so location based. So yeah. it's different for everybody. So, so we, where I'm at in Dane County, um, we are doing amazing. I, in fact, have places where I'm getting multiple offers. I can't get something on before it's sold. We are having to do a much bigger, different job because of the health and safety part of COVID of just, you know, certain number of people through at a time. I work for a company that is virtual and global. Like you get a real agent, right? I'm it. I'm, I'm who's going to take care of you. But we are set up virtually. So we are doing amazingly well. I'm also in a spot where I've put myself, when my kids went to college, my third one, I'm in a company where I can go anywhere in the world. And so I do a market here and also in Florida. And that's given me a nice flexibility, um, also just fun and interest. And so particularly where I'm at, real estate is doing great. We, in fact, our biggest problem is we don't have enough houses on the market. So if anyone wants to sell, call me because this is a phenomenal time. We actually are in the great migration right now. So we've not since 1930 had the most people moving cross country and cross places based on what's going on societally. So mm. that is amazing. And, and they're so have, moving from the big cities and going into more suburban kind of rural spots? Or? There's a lot of that. So <laughs> I don't want to name, I'm a realtor and I got to be careful about fair housing and all this good stuff. So there are, exactly, there's some that are for lots of different reasons. So there's some that are in big, huge cities choosing to move to smaller, calmer. There's others who have lost jobs that are choosing to go with family members or somebody for a year or longer. There's others who have chosen to downsize because they've realized I don't need this whole big, huge life. 
right? There's others who have decided, nope, I'm upgrading and upsizing and getting bigger because I'm going to be home more. And I want those offices or dual office in the workout room. So real estate's very interesting right now. There's certain pockets that are, you know, having more challenges or not getting sold across the country. But in general, real estate isn't experiencing what we did before. And here's why. The mortgage people realized we can't put ourselves in a spot where we have all these empty houses, all these mortgage defaults and whatever. So right away you saw them when the interest rates were going lower and they're allowing people to put the payment on the backside. They're trying to prevent what we had in 2008 in the real estate industry. But real estate, you know, might be the market that doesn't get hit hard this time. And I would love that because we did it last time and it was awful. I, I think I think you're onto some. I think you're you're hey. totally right. I that's what I'm seeing. I mean, yeah, I live I, I live in every day. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I live in Los Angeles, and okay. I'm I'm just surprised. I'm really surprised to see that uh, mul multiple offers. People yeah. are interested. People are still looking for for spots. So I, it's almost like, what is it that has caused recessions or corrections in real estate in the past? Is it consumers or is it the money supply? Is it banks? You know. Well, I'm, I can at least tell you in 2008, I experienced myself, and I'm not a whole country person, right? At that time, at that time, I was in uh, Middleton, Wisconsin. A lot of it was the fact that, unfortunately, lenders let people get applied for mortgages that had no financial ability to really- No docs, mortgages. no docs. <laughs> right, you have one hiccup and they're like into foreclosure. And so right. that was the problem. So I won't just blame the lenders, right? It was the lenders allowing anybody to qualify. And then on our consumer side, which we also, this ties into what's going on right now, we were such a massive consumption culture, right? I have to have the bigger house, the bigger thing, the bigger car, the bigger, like we've been on that forever of consumerism. And so the lust was there hmm. on the consumer side, the lusting hmm. for the McMansions, the lusting for the bigger, the next, the lusting for the, and so, okay, I'll do it. And I don't have to put much down and, the bank will let me and I think it's okay. We used to have to 25% debt to income ratio way mm. back in the fifties. Mm. And now it's like almost 50%, you know? And it was, it was sometimes higher than that and no money down in 2008. God. Amazing. Yeah. So we would not do that. Let's learn something from what we've learned. Right. So do we, do we still, are we still suffering from that lust? As yes, a, as we are. A, as a yes, we are lusty. We are lusty, lusty people. <laughs> for sure. I will say is, that all of time. Is and that, then, is that ever going to go away? Are we going to get to a point? I mean, if this didn't solve that, yeah. what we're going through yeah. in terms of going back to the basics and going back to family and going back to health and mm -hmm. happiness and actually not really needing that fancy car Yep. Or having uh, an expensive timepiece on your wrist mean nothing. Yeah. You know, if this doesn't fix that, what is going to fix that? Yeah. So that's like the big, huge, gorgeous question, right? The answer is going to be human beings, I think, are always going to be lusty. I mean, it's just yeah. part of our genetics. Hmm. On one hand, there's nothing wrong with being lusty. If you can afford it, you're not wrecking all our landfills. You're not wrecking the earth about it, right? Um, but we are always going to have a piece of that. Right now, we are getting a beautiful wake-up call about, gosh, do you want something richer and bigger and different in life, which might be the person next to you, mm. you know, that you're in a relationship with. And, and right. a lot of that is coming down and helping us see. We are in a nanosecond culture. Mm. We are in a nanosecond culture. So it used to be, you know, you'd have to wait three years to be able to save for that car and get the car. 
Then it got to be, well, you can get the car real quick and easy online and whatever. Now we're in the nanosecond culture and we have been for, you know, a good seven years. And what I mean by that is nanosecond responses, nanosecond social media, nanosecond um, dopamine hit when I see the piece online or the flashy, you know, shoes I want or the whatever. And it's gotten down to nanosecond. And so part of it is we have to untrain out of that because we've gotten so addicted to it. And, and, and this, it doesn't feel us anymore. And this is the the title of your upcoming best-selling book, right? Nanosecond culture. <laughs> I, I'm a smart one on that. I know a lot about it. And so it should be. It should be for sure. And thank you for that. I'll have to do something with it. <laughs> but yeah, but it, that's one of our biggest problems. And that nanosecond culture affects us in you know, all of our relationships and our health and sexuality and income in all education, all of those pieces. And there's nobody who can argue they're not in the nanosecond culture. It's not a generation or age thing. Mm, they yeah. we like to blame different ages and cultures and stuff. The 20 somethings are the nanosecond, but you know what? So are those of us who are older. And so unhooking in the pain of this is a great opportunity. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the takeaway here is that there's, there's a, healthy wealthy yes and a, healthy wealthy and, is awesome and an unhealthy, unhealthy wealthy, wealthy is awesome right and and i think yeah. that an unhealthy wealthy is rooted in uh trying to receive things make up for things to feel a certain way to yep. attain some sort of ha happiness that maybe is never never attainable yes uh, whereas healthy wealthiness is trying to provide and to build legacy absolutely. and to have resources. Yeah. Um, and if generational you're that, if you're lucky. Absolutely. And if you're doing that and you're doing that huge, there's no shame in that game, right? You know, there's no shame in that game. And, mo no and, most, that game. and mostly is, is giving back. Uh, and you know what? Most of the people that are on that, that is their main underlying platform. It is the giving back, you know, and that's okay. The other yeah. thing with the nanosecond culture is, we are all operating 24 seven live and everybody's watching and everybody's reacting to us 24 seven live. So part of that is the empathy of understanding we've been in a nanosecond culture. Let's give each other a break. Cause I'm on the high wire while all the flyers and arrows are coming at me and I'm making a decision and I maybe was a jerk and I didn't mean to, or I'm so like pressured by the end of the day, I just lose it, you know, like, and we don't want to do that. That's not great but just recognizing we have been living and right now we're in a super nanosecond culture, right? With everything going on. Yeah. If I need to then take a minute and tomorrow go, you know what? I was so sorry the way I reacted to you. I didn't mean to do that. Here's what was going on for me. Can you just, you know, give me another chance at that or whatever else we need to learn how to do that really graciously. Um, and it's okay to do it after the fact off the wire, the, the high wire in this nanosecond thing we're doing, you know? Right. Uh, takeaways for me right now are this, this unlock, this mental unlock, you know, yeah. um, mental health, yes. um, you know, self-love, personal love, um, setting the right goals, setting the right expectations, and then attaining a, a healthy wealthiness. Healthy wealthy. Yep. I think, I think if we could help seven, 7.8 billion people do just that, the world would be better, like within a day, things would be massively better, you know? And the trick is how do we get that many people to take a look at this and choose it for themselves and practice it and put it into implementation? It'd be amazing. Well, I feel like, uh, you know, mental 
uh, wellness is, is a really big, uh, you know, problem. It's huge. So here's <laughs> and, me. And it's, I say that with compassion. Yeah, of course. So here's me. What I will say is we used to be, I know a lot about mental wellness and mental unwellness. And we used to be a culture where we like super shamed that. People mm. never talked about it. Yeah. My own father had electric shock treatment, you know, mm. and we now understand people have different wellness abilities. But here's the thing right now during this time. And, and sorry, to, sorry to cut you off. When, no when, did, when did you learn that your, your father had that treatment? I knew that growing up as a child. And what was so, what was it trying to solve? Yeah. So my biological father, actually, they called it at the time manic, uh, bipolar, manic depressive personality, unfortunately. And so they used to try to solve that by hooking you up to just like the voltage to kill you. Right. But they do it at a lower voltage. A human would strap you down. I think about this for my dad. A human would strap you down and hook electricity up to you and fry you to shake the crud out of you, to help you behave normal in our society. And he was the most kind, gentle man. He just was not brain chemistry and body chemistry hooked up the same as myself or somebody else. And I go, oh, there's an example of the compassion I'm talking about, right? Of like what my dad or anybody else went through for us in society to start to understand, oh, we don't do that to somebody who's mentally not well would we do that to a child who just accidentally misbehaved? My gosh, we wouldn't, you know? And so I'm thankful that we have learned and come across this continuum to learn some things about mental wellness and people and crisis mental unwellness that happens to all of us, even usual people over time. We have a major traumatic event. We're going to be unwell mentally for a little bit while we heal, you know? But the bigger thing going on right now is even anybody who's been mentally well or healthy we are all experiencing the number one crisis in this country, given everything going on, is a concern for mental wellness because of all the fear mongering, the trauma, the, our loss of economics for people, our, you know, all of the trauma pieces. If you've never even experienced it before, this is a piece that matters now for all of us because we need to continue to be well. We have a higher suicide rate than we do a COVID rate right now. That tells you something. And again, it doesn't need to be the people that are labeled and really have a, a medical mental unwellness. It is the person who used to be perfectly fine and had never experienced this huge need for resiliency that we're having to do right now. So any employer, any parent, any mom, any neighbor, any anybody, the compassion is to look out for each other in mental wellness, just mm. in how you doing. And it's just a healthy thing. It's not a condition, mm. you know? And look somebody in the eye. We're afraid, we're a culture that's become very afraid of looking people in the eye, you know? And that's how I know how you're really doing. I'm not gonna like make you really uncomfortable, but I'm gonna just, I'm gonna be able to. Well, that's like when you, when you toast someone, if you don't look in the eye, you know, some people, one out of every 20 people call you out on it. Yeah. But you know, it's like if, I, if, I'm, if I'm comfortable to just look you in the eye, I can see how you're doing, you know, yeah. a little bit. Or people laugh in my neighborhood. My kids are off to college and I'm like the child whisperer in the neighborhood. I sit out on the porch and all the neighbor kids come and chat with me. And every, all my other neighbors are laughing. They're like, gosh, all these little kids come to just talk to you in a day and whatever. And here's why. Their parents are busy. Like we're social distancing. They stay on the sidewalk, right? But the kids will come and they'll tell me all about their day. And they'll ask me questions and we'll talk because their parents are busy. But I have the time to just sit and I see you and you matter. And you and I, and I care about you. That's what mm. we're doing. 
And so that's happening in this little block and kids come from a couple blocks up and the parents know and everybody's kind of, you know, one of the kids laughs on the door and can your mom come out and play, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And that's just good for people and it's good for our mental wellness. I, this reminds me of something that happened to me recently and I feel like yeah. I should share it. You should. <laughs> I, it's, a, it's a little embarrassing. No, but, no, it's uh, good. It's good. So, you know, it's about nine o'clock and, you know, we're trying to get the kids to bed. It's been a struggle lately. It's, yeah. We're in this cycle where we wake up late. They wake up later and they go to bed later. And, yeah. and we have a lot of fun. We're doing stuff. Of we're course. in the pool and we're doing Legos and building RC cars. So anyways, you know, we're trying to get to bed. And all of a sudden, you know, we hear the doorbell ring incessantly, like ding dong, ding, 20 times in a row. Right. And we're like, what is going on? And my wife freaks out. You know, she thinks that mm -hmm. someone's like, this yep. is like an attack, right? It's our time, yeah. Right. So, you know, I, I kind of race to the window where I can look outside. And then, you know, sure enough, I see that I, I see, you know, the neighbor's kid that's oh. like driving away on the bike. <laughs> and he just unleashed on the doorbell, right? And I think I don't think I was wearing a shirt. And it was it was probably a little unclassy. So I open up the the balcony door upstairs. And I go out and I'm like this towering figure without a shirt. I say, I said, what's going on? I said, you scared the crap out of us. Yeah. Like, what's happening? You know? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I didn't scream. I didn't get upset. I didn't do anything terrible. But I was like, what's going on? You really scared us. So he came over and his father came over and, you know, they apologized. I was like, that's totally fine. I was like, we just got really scared. And, you know, you can't really do that. But we just got scared. I just, you know, yeah. th but thanks for understanding. And I, you know, I walked away from that experience and it was fine. I mean, you know, the, the parent apologized. We, we saw each other a couple of days later. It was totally fine. There was no issues. But, you know, in that moment, I kind of realized. And, and since then, I, I thought about that a couple of times where, you know, what is it like for a kid right now to, to want to have human interaction and to want to speak to you, Sherry, to speak yeah. to the child yeah. whisperer. Yep. And to the to the extent that they'll go to a neighbor's house yeah. and just go ballistic on the on the on the doorbell, it kind of made me realize that we're all yearning we are. you know, for something deeper and yeah. to have that connection. And yeah. uh, you know But can I help you also on your side of it? I would also like to say to you, your reaction was perfectly okay. <laughs> it was because here's, and I'm, you know, I've taught a lot of kids and, you know, have this education background. It was okay because that also helped that child understand you scared us. Yeah. You scared my family. And here's what was, here's why that felt scary to us. And right. so I'm glad to be able to say to you, that was the right good thing. You know, and also it helps them have a family conversation at home of, gosh, when people feel nervous or whatever, sometimes that is the way they react to protect. You didn't do anything wrong. But the greatest thing you said was you scared us. And that was a beautiful conversation that wouldn't have happened. And so on your side, it was good and beautiful and OK, too. You know? Yeah. No, I appreciate you saying that. I, yeah. I was I remember I remember in that moment taking a moment to breathe. And just thinking, awesome. you know, taking a moment and saying, look, and listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let the reptile brain unleash here. Yep. I, I, I can control it. I'm a little older in my, in my days. I'm just going to express the feeling that I'm getting. And I, yep. and I remember feeling a little bit happy after the fact. And I, and I also thought that when pe as adults, as adults, mm -hmm. so much of what we are doing is trying to get recognition to try to be seen and heard by people yeah. 
And a lot of the reasons why we want to get money is to impress people. Yep. And and I started to think that if we can just go back to this innocent childlike, you know, mentality, then you know, maybe we're not gonna be doing things for the wrong reasons. And giving love to people and not instilling fear. Yes. Know? I think that's hugely important. You know, and I grew up in an era where it was scare the kid to behave. Like that was just mm. the culture. It was the culture of, you know, it's part of why you go to church on Sunday in the old fashioned style of scare the crap out of them. So they behave all week. Right. Well, that's um, also relevant for management. Yes. 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 And so here's me. My natural personality is like a grown woman who's amazing and a five-year-old who just really has a great time and a 17 year old too. You know, yeah. <laughs> we, we train the greatness out of ourselves, that child wonder, that curiosity. Like right now, curiosity would solve a lot of things. Mm. Curiosity is the number one thing that's opposite of fear. It's curiosity. So say, say, say that again. So curiosity mm. is the opposite of fear. Okay. So when we feel fearful, which we are a lot right now, the greatest thing we could do for ourselves is start to train ourselves on. I'm curious about that. Yeah, I'm curious about what might happen if I try this new idea. I'm curious about what might happen if I open the door and let my neighbor in. Because look at your neighbor and you had an amazing interaction. The child learned something, right? Um, A lot of what I'm doing and a lot of my new success, both financially and whatnot, came from the curiosity mindset of like, yeah, sure, I'll get into broadcasting. I didn't used to do that all the time. I've been speaking since I was 12, but I didn't do broadcasting. And so I've recently got into that, didn't understand the tech. I was nervous about it, whatever. Um, But the curiosity has taken me to beautiful places. And if we could get management and everybody off of this fear-mongering, discipline, oppression behavior into collaboration, curiosity, just seeing what's going to happen. We have the greatest opportunity right now because of COVID to just try stuff and we don't have to be great at it because we all have to just try it. So we like the doors open of guess what? Like we just have to try stuff. And if it doesn't work out, you're going to be okay. It was COVID, right? So like nice. let's just try some awesome stuff. Well, what I, what I might gather from this yeah. um, is that you are in a, a client facing business. You're in yep. the customer service industry, Yep. you know, as a, as a coach, as a guide, as someone in real estate, and I suspect that the way that we can be curious yeah. and to be empathetic and compassionate is to listen. That's one way for sure. Definitely. The other parts are just um, different ways of compassion. So part of it's listening. And then we're getting a little bit of blowback on listening only right now because people mm. are going, yeah, that's a great first step, but we can't just listen. The next step for me is I'm listening and then my own self, I'm stepping back and above the situation. Cause when we're in it, we're too emotional. Mm. So I'm gonna step back and above like I'm watching a movie and I'm taking everything I listened to of all, whether it's employee issues, management, whatever, or it's in the area of you know uh, race or whatever's happening. And I'm gonna think, what do I think about that? What's my opinion? What's my stance? How do I see things that might come together or get fixed. And then you're using your own experience and your own brain power after the thinking. And once you are thinking and watching, now what seems right for you to do? What might be a solution? Because we want to move to solutions and those will both be societal and they'll be wealth solutions, you know? Mm. 
And we, we and have that, things to do that, you know, like you, you are, you are an expert, you are a contributor. We're all a contributor. We're all a thinker, you know, after the listening. Is the enemy in this equation, the ego? Um, if you want to use the word enemy, it, it's almost always the ego. Like the ego is <laughs> our biggest trouble we got, you know? It we is. are our own worst enemy, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. And like ego is the biggest um, challenge and difficulty we have here, I think. And speak, and speak to that. How, how do we unlock yeah. that? Yeah. So I just don't want my ego to drive me. Hmm. You know, it's okay to want things or... Um, you know, we all want to be good at what we do and all that kind of stuff, but I can't want um, my ego over everything else that I'm really doing. So here's an example. Making impact is huge for me. So I care about impact in the world just to make a difference. And I'm unattached to the results about that. Mm. Ego would make me very attached to those results. How many followers do I have? How many likes? What's in my bank account? What's my, you know, and I'm, we all, we all are egoic. I have worked hard and processed to be not as attached to it. It used to matter to me. I wanted that particular house, right? And this, you know, my kids look like this and da, 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 the sports family, you know, and I have, I have just learned and watched so much over ego and it, and it really ruined people. Um, and so a lot of it was me reading and learning and talking to other people. Um, the ego isn't really a nice person. So that's a lot of what helps me because usually the ego doesn't have altruistic interests. The ego doesn't you the ego usually cares you have to lose if I want to win. Instead of collaboration is we can all win and all, we can all contribute we can all have you know great pieces and things and whatever. So a lot of the, I think I think the vast majority of humans the biggest thing they battle while they're here on earth is ego. Mm. You know? And you have to be willing to take a look at your own ego and be honest. You know, yeah, and well, our old way of how we used to compete and do, and it's falling apart right now. Mm -hmm. It's falling apart right now, and a lot of people are like, "But I, but I don't want to let that go, and I, I, I want to go back to that and whatever." But that was a lot of ego. It was a lot of really big ego in the way we used to compete. Well, it was. It's it's all based on scarcity, right? A hundred percent. Limited amount of resources, and it's a it's a. It's a game, you know, we have to get it first. And if we don't, then other people will. And there's not enough sunshine to go around. Right. And ego is very much um, arrogant. It's incredibly arrogant. It's not gracious. Yeah. What is groupthink? Yeah. Well, here's that. I'm a disruptor and I have been since I was little, right? And so for somebody who's like, uh, a disruptor is always looking at like I couldn't understand why things were a certain way, you know, so I've always been a free spirit or independent spirit to go. Well, but why are we doing that? Or was what? Why are why is society acting like this? As an example, group think is across all kinds of organizations, industry, uh, races, culture, financial. And what group think is, is psychologically when we are together with even two people or more. There is a general likelihood that I'm going to agree with you just to get along and not have an issue. Mm. It's just easier. Politically, we have a lot of groupthink. So who is ever in that political party, groupthink means we're going to kind of all just agree to think the same, whether we do or don't or whatever. And me sitting in the seat as a jury person, let's go to a jury situation with 12. 
group think is it is easier for me as a jurist of 12 people deciding for somebody. Oh gosh, they're going to be mad at me if I say, forget it. That person is not guilty because we don't get to go home. They don't get to go home. That's the worst place group think should happen, but it happens all the time in group think. And so you go along to get along in group think. And the opposite of group think would be individual thinkers, individual speaking voices, people who are willing to, and it doesn't always have to be this combative, disruptive thing, but it's just, I don't, I don't agree with that. Here's how I see that. And not a lot of people are willing to do that, but we need a lot more people willing to let go of the group think and get on to what do you really think individually? What's your opinion? What's your stance? What do you want to do about that? You have to be willing of like, I don't care if you're upset with me. This is what I feel is right. You know, a lot of it has to do with opposite of group think is what do you think is right? Because group think is just go along to make it easy. And it might not be the right thing. Mm -hmm. A non group think would be a dissenter as well. You know, just that person's on their own and got a whole different thought and whatever. But you will, Elon Musk would be an example, right? Of just he's a dissenter. He's going to do things the way he sees it and build his wealth the way he sees it and whatever else he's absolutely not a part of group think yeah well i think what's so interesting about him is that he he'll take dissent and he'll turn it into such an amazing positive <laughs> i mean talk about taking criticism and then actually not metaphorically actually mm -hmm. turning it into a product that he sells on the Tesla shop and sells and, and sells out of. Like mm -hmm. when, when a bunch of people uh, shorted the Tesla stock, he sold short shorts on the Tesla shop <laughs> and, and he sold out because yep. it, was, it, was, it was basically a dig at, at just people shorting the stock. So I, yep. I, love, I love how uh, what I'm trying to do here is I'm trying to connect the, this idea of being an individual He's a super individual. Like, yes. if, so I'm not even making the comment of whether the, your viewers agree with him or don't agree or whatever. Don't get hung up on that. He's just an amazing example of an individual, mm -hmm. you know, and right. not a group think. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Amazing. Really, uh, really great conversation. God, we, yeah, we got into, it. yeah, we got into some really interesting topics here. That's what we're um, supposed to do, right? Like you create, this is what I love about being a podcast guest. Yeah. I don't do a podcast myself. Because you and I created something unique and individual as a contribution to the world. That's what's yes. super cool. And then you're going to do it with somebody else and do something really cool as well. So that's cool. Well, this this will also have wings because you know we're gonna we're gonna share this and we're gonna we're gonna cut it into some smaller clips and you know we'll we'll continue the conversation. Awesome. Well, I appreciate everything that you do. Appreciate the invitation to contribute. That's what's fun. Um, and super cool platform and digital pieces that you have as well. So that's neat. I learned a lot also. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for saying yeah. that. Where can, where can people find you and connect with you? The easiest place I hang out is at LinkedIn, actually. Okay. Um, I do have uh, some of my pieces on YouTube and all, everything's under my own name, just Sherry St. Marie. Um, my real estate website is storylaneproperties.com. Um, but I'm also on Instagram and uh Facebook and Twitter under Sherry St. Marie, everything Sherry St. Marie. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Sherry. Yeah, I appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Thanks.